Ricky. Hi, this is Kim. And today we're going to talk about Visual Literacy 2. We learned a lot in the readings for Visual Literacy 2, a lot about e-learning, the different principles, and also PowerPoint presentations. With e-learning, we learned about the multimedia principle and the modality principle. With the multimedia principle, the question is, do visuals make a difference in e-learning? Um, and we found that visuals are helpful, but only if they are relevant. And static graphics should not be an afterthought. People learn more deeply from pictures than they do from just words alone. And in the reading, it showed that there were 11 comparison studies where students who had text and pictures in their multimedia lessons perform better than those who had the same information in just text alone. And I think it's easier for people to remember visuals better than words alone because it's being presented in more than one way, which further solidifies the information. Because I know in my experience, I'd prefer having multi-modes, whether it's visual, kinesthetic, auditory, or written form. It's easier getting it in multiple forms than just set in one. Yeah, I prefer images along with pictures, but I know that with pictures and stuff like that, they have to be relevant. I've had different e-learning things where current retail place that I work at while I'm going to college now, there's just text on a screen with decorative pictures of different employees mm -hmm. doing things, but it doesn't really demonstrate anything and it's really boring. So I actually kind of just fast forward through it and do the quizzes at the end and I don't even really read it, to be honest. Because it's an afterthought. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's not interesting. It's, it's like mm. they threw pictures on there and it's just text on a page and I'm like, okay, I'm not engaged with it at all. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I thought was really interesting was when it talked about students who are new to it, I guess you would say, like novices versus experts and how the experts tend to not do as well with lessons regarding multimedia because they already have the mental images as they read about how things work. If the uh, multimedia lesson is about something that they already know. And it's important as an educator to be sensitive to that level of prior knowledge as not to create the expertise reversal effect where it may not help and can even hurt the higher knowledge learners. I can understand that, actually, now that I think about it, because I know I would look up, like, um, YouTube tutorials on how to do stuff, and I'd already know, like, steps one through five, and then I would fast forward through it because they would explain it so slowly that I already knew how to do it. I didn't, I didn't need that explained. It would actually make, it would confuse me more. And it would bore you, or you would skip ahead to it, to a part that you would need more. Yeah, Exactly. It would confuse me more, too, because I'd be like, okay, well, I can accomplish it by doing it this way. Why are we doing it this other way? And, and just things like that. So that actually makes a lot of sense to me. So animations are sometimes better to use than static images in certain situations. And um, in other situations, static images are better to use than animations because it allows the people to learn at their own pace. It depends on what you're delivering. Yeah, so uh, static images would work better for understanding some sort of processes, whereas animation is better for hands-on procedures, like a step-by-step -step thing that someone wanted to learn about. 
yes, I know anytime I've had to work on my car, I like the step-by-step procedures. I like having something animated or something in video. I wouldn't want static images. I'd be so confused. For me, I it depends on what what the procedure is because with static images, it's nice that you can see everything all at once simultaneously and you don't have to rewind or fast forward. You can see right there. Mm-hmm. It just makes it easier to process that you could see what happens before, what happens after, all in the static images rather than rewinding and fast forward multiple times in the video or animation. You can see the process as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I can understand that. I think it would probably depend on how people learn. Again, static images, I feel like I'm losing part steps in the process. Because you're not seeing it fully in motion. You're just seeing small portions of it. I get it. Yeah, but I can also see where somebody would want to see the whole process completely before starting a project or something. So I can see both sides of it. Exactly. It all depends on what it is you're trying to depict, like you mentioned, and um, the learning preferences of everyone. Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay, so the modality principle is combining audio and visual together Mm -hmm. in e-learning in particular. So basically, by combining audio and visual, you are not bogging down the visual channel by trying to get somebody to read and interpret images at the same time. One thing I understand for those that like having text along with the visuals is that it allows the learners to move at their own pace rather than waiting for the audio to come up. Like you mentioned with the uh, multimedia principle, how you... Like how you were watching animation videos and you would skip ahead because you already knew about that. That's the same thing with having audio. If they already know about it, they'd rather not sit there and wait for it. Listening to someone talk takes longer than reading it in text because you can read at your own pace. You could skim it and go faster than you would sitting and listening to someone talk. You know what I mean? Yes, I can understand that. I think it depends on what you're listening to or what you're reading as well. If it's something that's interesting to you, you'll probably speed read through it. But if it's something that's boring, I don't know about you, but I've had those like passages that I read like 10 times over and just don't comprehend because my mind wanders as I'm reading it. Yes. (laughs) Versus if I hear somebody saying it, I can actually process it, even if it's something that's boring to me. So I think it depends on the topic. That's true. And the person delivering it. (laughs) Yeah, that is true as well, because obviously somebody who has a lot of inflection in their voice and stuff is going to be more interesting to listen to than somebody who's monotone. Exactly. I've I've had those teachers before that just drone and drone and drone, and it could be the most interesting topic in the world, and I'm just like, I, I can't right now. Exactly. So we have separate channels for audio processing and visual processing. Spoken word will directly go into our audio processing as the graphics will go straight to our visual processing rather than both written text and graphics both competing for visual processing. It'll definitely take more time to read the text and analyze and process the graphics because you're visually looking at the text rather than analyzing the image that's in front of you and really getting all of the information and meaning you can out of it. And I noticed that more complex graphics, it's better suited to have audio and not text so that you can 
focus solely on the visual while having the audio explain it to you. Yeah, I have to agree there because I know even just watching movies and sometimes I'll use closed captioning because, you know, people talk really low in movies and stuff. I have a hard time sometimes I'll be like Mm -hmm. reading like really long sentences in the closed captioning and trying to watch the movie at the same time. I can't imagine trying to learn a process and read text on screen at the same time because I get overwhelmed when it's just, you know, for entertainment purposes, let alone like learning purposes. Yeah, I remember in Spanish class in high school, we watched a Spanish film with English subtitles and I found myself paying more attention and following along with the subtitles rather than seeing the important things happening in the film. So all those key elements that are going on visually within the film, I'm missing out on because I'm reading the text. Yes, yes. Um, Which actually ties in well to audio is not helpful in situations if um, the language that it's in is not their first language or the text is technical or unfamiliar. Yes. So there are some times when text should remain available in order to support their memory. Like key terms, like you said, that are technical or unfamiliar, or even if the information is presented so fast that they don't have time to fully process it, or if there's lengthy information that it just keeps dawning on and on, it's easy to have those words onto the visuals as well so that they don't lose the information due to the fast pace if they can't hold their auditory memory. So that vital text should be put in short segments as not to overload their working memory. It'll help them better retain the information having printed text. And um, also having the printed text too, they can actually go and look up words if they're unaware of what they mean, if it's like technical language or unfamiliar. Yeah. Versus if it's just spoken on screen real quick or, you know, it's there and it's gone really fast and they might not be able to be like, okay, what does this mean? I can't go look this up now. (laughs) So with the principles, I know that I worked as a graphic designer, so we would have to use like kind of the multimedia principle. You want images that are relevant to what the client is trying to portray. For example, you know, you don't want to put lace in the background of like a corn dog sign because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then especially if they have text over top of it, it makes it so it's not legible. And I feel like that kind of ties into e-learning a little bit. Some of the same concepts anyways. Yes, because then with the graphic design, like you were mentioning with having the visual and the text on top of it, which one are we supposed to focus more on? Is it the text or the visual? Yes, yes. And you want, especially, um, I used to work in a sign shop. So if it's a sign for something, you know, and people are driving by it quickly, you want them to get the message as quickly as possible. You don't want them to have to sit there and analyze what the sign is about. So, and I feel like that ties a lot into e-learning. You don't want to give somebody a bunch of superfluous information that they don't need just because it looks pretty. You don't need to throw clip art in there and stuff. You can, you know, use stuff that's pertinent to the information. Yes, you want it to make it meaningful. Yes, and then with the modality principle, you want to deliver that information in a way that's not overwhelming to the person. With the multimedia principle and the modality principle, it's a lot about how we learn and the various ways that could work best for different types of learners. Yes, agreed. So with the Tuft reading, it was all about PowerPoints and whether or not they're 
necessarily useful. So in your opinion, with your schooling and whatnot, have you come across PowerPoints before? Have you used them or been an audience member with someone presenting using a PowerPoint to you? Um, when I was in high school, we actually had the projectors with the transparency, so I escaped the PowerPoints then. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was in college, we did have to use them. I was never much a fan of PowerPoints, maybe because I didn't grow up with them. Okay. Um, so, and I mean, I, I get their purpose. I don't mind them if the speaker is knowledgeable and using them as an aid. But if people are just reading off the PowerPoint, it gets a little redundant. And that's, I guess, where I tend to shy away from it. But again, it would depend on, you know, the speaker and the person and whatnot. But that's the experience that I've had with PowerPoints. Yeah, it's similar to having a teacher read from the text. But now it's displayed up on a screen for you and he's he or she is reading word for word off of the screen. It doesn't really do much and it's boring. You're sitting there looking at the ceiling rather than getting any information out of it. Yeah, and it kind of just makes you feel like they think you're stupid because <laughs> they're just giving you information in two different ways, but it's the same information. Yeah, the only two different ways is that it's in written form and it's auditory, but it's literally the same information. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, In my opinion, though, with PowerPoints, I'm a little bit of for it and against it in the sense that, again, like you said, it it depends on the presenter and the content with PowerPoints. It shouldn't be where you read word for word what you have on there. It, you should be utilizing very little text. And if you do use it, it would you would use that information to springboard into the overall key important topic that you wanted to get through with the content. Yes, agreed. I mean, it's it's good for what it is for, you know, if you want to use it for talking points or something like that, that makes sense. But it shouldn't be used as notes. Um, I know that was an issue in the reading is that they would just pass around PowerPoint slides and those were the complete notes. Like there was no added stuff to it and you miss a lot of information because PowerPoint doesn't can't hold a lot of information on the screen. Exactly. It's very limited in formatting, I guess you would say. It's very small. You can't fit a lot. Um, The text would end up being very small if you had a lot that you needed to get through. I noticed in the readings that if someone was going to have a PowerPoint that they should utilize handouts and have it in paper form so that the audience can take in the information all together. If it's leaving the screen, it's not leaving their mind. It's all in the handout with key highlights. So it allows the audience to control their own pace of learning. Similar to static images, the handouts allow the audience to see multiple things at once and allow them to look back and forth among images and information. But I know in my experience as a teacher, it wouldn't necessarily work for the elementary age students because I know for a fact if I have a PowerPoint presentation on the board and I give them a handout, they're going to be skimming and reading ahead in the handout rather than listening to the information that's being presented. Which makes sense. You want kids to be listening to the information presented and stuff like that. Would it maybe work if you gave them the handout afterwards? That way they'd have the notes to take home and to expand upon, but they wouldn't be reading it while you were giving the presentation. That's true. And then, like, some methods of presentations are better than others. 
So maybe a presentation on a PowerPoint would suffice for, I don't know, some other topic. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what kind of topic, but... <laughs> well, that was another thing that they talked about in the reading was... Um, it didn't matter what the topic was, you still were, you still had to fit information onto a slide. So it could be something like time your shoe versus like nuclear fission. Obviously, one of them is going to have more steps and more information than the other. <laughs> but you're still kind of expected to fit all of it onto, you know, onto a slide, you know, key points of it. And then based from there, you would, I don't know, end up probably with way more slides for nuclear fission than you would for steps to tie in your shoes oh definitely and it would just be exhaustive and at that point you're losing your entire audience yes yes at that point you might as well make a book instead of trying to fit all this information onto tiny powerpoint slides exactly powerpoints really are just like key important summarizations Yes. In my opinion. Um, the other thing that it talked about in the reading was that PowerPoint sets up a dominant relationship between the speaker and the audience. Mm -hmm. I noticed this in college um, where presenters would give information on a topic that they had to research, so we had no prior knowledge to it. And they, if they did a PowerPoint presentation, they'd always have that last slide that says questions with a question mark at the end, and nobody would ask questions. And then if they did a presentation another way, like speaking, just, you know, speaking with handouts, people would actually ask more questions. And I didn't realize it until I read this. But then looking back, I was like, oh, my God, this is really true. And I think it's because of the dominant relationship between the speaker and the audience. I guess that's true, too. But I feel like some students, either way, like myself, I know for a fact, if I saw the presentation, too, and there was and it asks for questions, I'm not going to be asking questions, just like you said. It's, I don't know if it's just like a shyness thing or what it is, but then if I had the handout, like you said, too, and I was able to look through it and possibly generate my own questions from that, I still don't think I would do it. Okay, well, that's understandable, and it probably depends on the person, too. I've, I've been in classes where some people always ask questions. It's always the same five people, and then some people, like, rarely ask questions, and it's always the same five yes. people. So it just depends on the person, I'm sure. But um, I do feel like it kind of does set up a dominant relationship between the speaker and the audience because you're just reading off a slide, and you're not really engaging with them, and you're just kind of, like, delivering information to them. Exactly. I, I feel like it should be more of like a conversation amongst everybody or a discussion where um, if maybe the presenter themselves poses a question. Well, discussions are good. I agree with you. I think discussions, they always fostered my learning. I If I had a class that did class discussions, I always learned more than classes that were just, you know, open your book. We're going to read this. We're going to learn that. So I do agree with you. I think, you know, generating some sort of discussion, people actually take away more. The readings this week were very into the learning and understanding of how we learn and the various ways that we could work best and how PowerPoints may not necessarily be the best form of presentations. Well, PowerPoints need to be used correctly. Well, and even he said, if you're going to use the PowerPoint, use them for images. Because, again, I've seen really good TED Talks where they had PowerPoints and they, you know, just used it for images. Yeah, and again, I think it really depends on the learner and their preferences, 
whether it's text and images or text, images, animation, and audio or the presentation itself. Yes, and the delivery of information is important to fostering learning. So whether or not you have images, static images, animation, um, sound along with it, how you're giving a presentation, it's all very important. 